Welcome to New Covenant Church. You're listening to this week's message by Senior Pastor Chris Valdez. Good morning. Before we get into the Word, will you bow me and pray? Heavenly Father, I just ask that you would fulfill your word of speaking to us through your Holy Spirit. Lord, your word says that he is declaring truth. Declaring the truth, Father. And I pray that we would have open hearts and open minds to receive the truth that you're declaring. And this morning specifically, I pray that we would get and receive the truth of Jesus Christ's lordship in our life. Lord, only you, only by your revelation, only by a work of the Holy Spirit can we grasp that and can we receive that. And that's what we ask for this morning. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, last Sunday, our focus was on John the Baptist's call to prepare the way for the Lord. And his message was of repentance and baptism. If you happen to miss uh, the message last week, you can catch it on our podcast or via our Facebook live stream and just avail yourself of that because I I think it's very important um, as a first step in preparing the way for the Lordship of Jesus Christ. One of the scriptures that we looked at clearly showed this, and it was Matthew 3, verse 2 and 3. John the Baptist's message was, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord. Make his paths straight. So our focus this morning is going to be on who, on the person, the way was being prepared for. John the Baptist was sent to prepare the way of the Lord. And we need to understand what lordship really means and the implications of the lordship of Jesus Christ in our life. The word that's used here for Lord is kurios. And we read the definition last week, but I'd like to read it again. It means master. He to whom a person or thing belongs about which he has power of deciding, possessor and disposer of things, the owner, one who has control of the person. And my prayer this morning is that we would leave here with a fresh revelation of three aspects of the lordship of Jesus Christ in our life. The first is that we can only serve one Lord. We have to understand that we are either slaves to sin or slaves to righteousness. Another way to say this is that we're either slaves to the enemy or we're slaves to Jesus Christ. We're not going to go to the scriptures now, but there's multiple scriptures in the Bible uh, where Jesus referred to the religious uh, leaders of his day as children of the devil. Or he also said, you're of your father, the devil. That wouldn't be an encouraging word to receive, would it? And when Peter speaks to Christians and refers to the devil, he uses a different term. He says, your adversary, the devil. When we're a child of God, when we make Jesus Christ the Lord of our life, we're no longer under the power of sin and death. We've been brought into life And now the devil is merely our adversary. 
We aren't under his control. We don't have to follow his lordship. We are under the lordship of Jesus Christ. The next thing that we need to understand is that Jesus Christ is Lord over all. There is nothing that isn't under the lordship of Christ. And then finally, that we serve a Lord and master who is good, who loves us who is humble and lowly of heart and who lived the life of a servant. We will never be what we were created to be unless we submit to his lordship. And we deceive ourselves into believing that it's possible to be Lord of our own life. But the truth is, if he isn't our Lord, then we are slaves to sin and death. And we're going to look at some scriptures that show these three aspects of Christ's lordship. Some of these we're going to go through pretty quickly and they'll just be up on the screen. But if you have your Bible, you can go ahead and turn uh, to Romans chapter 6 and put your finger there and then turn to Philippians chapter 2. And we'll get to both those in a minute. But first we're going to look at the fact that we can only serve one Lord and one master. Matthew chapter 6 verse 24 and it'll be on the screen. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. Jesus makes it very clear in this scripture that we can only have one Lord and master. The background of the next scripture that we're going to look at is that Jesus has just cast out a demon from a man. And the religious leaders are accusing him of casting out this demon by the name of Satan or Beelzebub. And Jesus gets into a conversation with him saying, a house divided cannot stand. You can't serve, again, two masters. Either I'm in the kingdom of Satan or I'm in the kingdom of God. And those kingdoms do not fight against themselves. So Jesus is saying, I am in the kingdom of God. And this demon was cast out by the power of God, not by the power of Satan. And in Luke chapter 11, verse 23, he finishes with, Whoever is not with me is against me. And whoever does not gather with me scatters. Jesus couldn't be much clearer than that. He's either saying you're with me or you're against me. People often say that and make that claim. You're either with me or you're against me. And Jesus is saying that's, that's the only way this works. You're either on my side or you're not. There's nothing in between. And the last scripture that we'll look at is the one that you went to, Romans chapter 6. If you marked it, you can turn there now and look at verse 16. Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin which leads to death or of obedience which leads to righteousness? But thanks be to God that... You who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed. And having been set free from sin, have become slaves of righteousness. Verse 19, slaves to righteousness leading to sanctification. Verse 23, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ, our Lord. Our Lord, 
the one that we serve, our master, the one who is in control of us. We're either slaves to sin, which leads to death, or we're slaves to righteousness, which leads to sanctification and eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. I think we've driven that point home. The next passage that we're going to look at is going to make both of the next two points, and that is that Jesus Christ is a good and humble servant and that he is Lord and Master. Look with me at Philippians chapter 2, verse 5 through 11. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, But he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. There's a couple things I want to point out here. First of all, Paul starts out by letting us know that as Christians, this is the mind. This is the attitude that we should have. To humble ourselves as Jesus did. And that we can do this because Jesus Christ himself is living in us. And because of that, we can have his mind. If Jesus Christ, being equal with God, could lay that aside and empty himself of that, and rather live as a servant of God and of men, even to the point of death, how much more? Should we humble ourselves and submit to his lordship? He's a good lord. He's a good master. We don't like that idea. We don't like the word slave. We don't like the word servant in this day and age. But it's the truth. It's the truth of the gospel. It's the truth of who Jesus Christ is. And he's not asking us to do anything that he didn't do himself. Being equal with God, he humbled himself to be a servant even to the point of death. What was the result of his humility? Look with me at verse 9. Therefore, and that word means because, because of everything we just said. Therefore, because he humbled himself, God the Father has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus Christ is Lord and Master. Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that he is Lord But when he was physically present on earth, God in the form of man, he humbled himself. He emptied himself and he became a servant. He washed his disciples' feet. All these men gather together and their feet are dirty. And in that day and age, the servant was supposed to clean their feet. Well, none of the disciples got up and volunteered. No one else had served each other. And it says Jesus Christ himself stood up and wrapped 
his clothes around him and knelt down and washed his disciples' feet. The Son of God served these men. He could have said, do you know who I am? I'm the Lord. You're supposed to be serving me. But when he was here in flesh, he humbled himself, not counting himself equal with God to serve. That's who we serve. He was wrongfully accused and he didn't fight back. He was beaten, he was tortured, and he was crucified and humbly, willingly took it all. This is the Lord. This is the Master who comes to you and says, Submit to my authority. Will you serve me? Will you follow me? Will we follow Him? Will we submit to Him? Turn your Bibles with me to John chapter 5. We're going to look at two passages here that show us that Jesus led by example. He's not asking us to do anything that He didn't do Himself. John chapter 5, verse 30. It'll also be on the screen. Jesus said, I can do nothing on my own. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is just because I seek not my own will, but the will of Him who sent me. Jesus didn't do anything on His own, anything of His own will. He did the will of His Father. And He asks us to do the same thing, to acknowledge His Lordship in our life and to follow Him. If the King of kings and Lord of lords, whom every tongue will confess and every knee will bow down to, could humble Himself to serve His Father, who are we to say that we won't serve Him? The irony is that if we rebel, if we rebel from His Lordship, we don't become the Lord of our own life. That's not one of the options. We are rejecting a good, righteous, humble Lord and Savior who loves us to serve sin and unrighteousness and literally the devil himself. It's one or the other. The next scripture we're going to look at uh, again shows the humility of Jesus, but it also shows the depravity of mankind apart from God. The background to the scripture is that Jesus has just healed a man who has been lame, unable to walk for 38 years. But there's a problem. He did it on the Sabbath day. And the religious leaders said there's not supposed to be anything done on the Sabbath day. So they're upset with him that he healed a man. They're upset at a healing. Verse 16 of John 5, it says, And this was why the Jews were persecuting Jesus, because he was doing these things on the Sabbath. These things are healing someone. This shows how blind we can be. We can be so set on a method, so set on our expectation on how God is supposed to do something, on how He's supposed to work, that when God Himself 
is actually doing something, when he is at work, we can totally miss it. Jesus Christ was their Lord and Master. Those people that were persecuting him, they're going to bow down to him one day. They're going to confess his lordship. But at that point, he didn't line up with their thinking of what the Lord was going to look like. And because he healed on the Sabbath, they were persecuting him. And then in verse 17, it says, But Jesus answered them, My father is working until now, and I am working. Jesus is saying here, My father's working He showed me that man had to be healed, so I had to heal him. My father's at work, so I have to submit to his authority, to his leading, and heal him. Sabbath or no Sabbath, I'm doing what the father is leading me to do. And verse 18, this is why the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him. No longer just persecute him, but kill him. Because not only was he breaking the Sabbath now... He was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. So for healing a man on the Sabbath, we're going to persecute you. But now that you're making yourself equal to God, we're going to kill you. But all Jesus told them was the truth. He just told them who he was. He was and is equal with God the Father. He was making his lordship known to them, and they rejected it. They rejected him. Verse 19, So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, that the Son does likewise. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all that he himself is doing. And greater works than these will he show him so that you may marvel. They wanted to kill him because he healed someone and because he told them who he was. Again, we find Jesus saying, I'm not doing anything of my will. I'm not doing anything under my own authority. I'm following the leading, the direction, the the guidance of my Father, and that's all I do. I don't do anything apart from that. But we go to God and tell Him, I still want to be Lord of my own life. I'll give you this part or that part or this piece or that piece, but you don't get it all. I'm still going to do what I want to do. But Jesus Christ, The Son of God did not count Himself to be equal with God, but submitted Himself to the Lordship of the Father, humbled Himself even to the point of death, even praying against the will of the Father, saying, Lord, if there is any other way, if I don't have to go to the cross, if there's some other way, let it be. But if not, not my will, but Your will be done. He submitted to that. So he's not asking us to do anything more than he was willing to do himself. He says, I love you. I died for you. I promise I'm a good Lord. I'm a good master. 
You're not going to miss out on anything. You're going to get everything. But we have to choose. Are we going to acknowledge His Lordship in our life? Or are we going to be deceived into thinking that we can be Lord of our own life? There's something that a while back, I feel like the Lord revealed to me, you know, these things are easy to acknowledge with our mind or even to confess with our mouth and say, yeah, Jesus Christ is Lord of my life. But there's a big difference between that and actually living like Jesus Christ is the Lord of our life. And God kind of spoke something to me that's not in the Bible. It's not anything that we see uh, outright written, but I think we can make a little hop in logic and get there. And that is, if it were in our power, in humanity's power, apart from Him, in sin, living in unrighteousness, being under uh, the devil, when we're children of Him, when He's still our Father, before we've come to Christ, if we could, if it were in our power, we would kill God the Father. We would take Him out. Given the opportunity, we would take it. And that's what Satan did. It says he saw God the Father and he said, I will arise. I will be like God. And he came to Adam and Eve and he convinced them. He said, if you eat this, you will be like God. He doesn't have to be your Lord anymore. You can be your own person. And they took it. And they failed because guess what? We can't. Thank God we can't. And the way that I say that we can make this jump is because we had one opportunity. God sent His Son, Jesus Christ, God, in the flesh. And He came and He lived the life that we were intended to live. And He humbled Himself equal with God. He emptied Himself and was obedient to the Father in every way. And twice we read, He did nothing, not one thing of His own will. Every act in His entire life lined up with obedience to the will of God the Father. He was here in the flesh. And what was our response? Kill him. He's not going to be our Lord. Take him out. So the one chance we had to acknowledge his lordship here in our presence, we rebelled and we killed him. And they were just doing what their Lord told them to. Because they were children of Satan. Their father, Satan, they followed their Lord. And they killed him. And that's why I say if humanity apart from God had the opportunity, we would take it. But thank God we don't. Because his name is above every name. He is Lord over all. And there is a day coming that every knee, Satan himself, every demon, every human being ever born, Every human being that will be born, that was born, is going to bow their knee and declare with their mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. And He's Lord today. He was Lord yesterday. And He's going to be Lord for eternity. Because that's who He is. 
And today, we have the opportunity to acknowledge His Lordship. To put our life under Him and to say, Lord, I trust that You can run my life better than I can. That You have a better way for me than doing it my way. I want You to be Lord of my life. And this revelation has to go beyond mental assent. It's not just something we say with our mouth. It's easy to say Jesus Christ is the Lord of my life, but it's a whole other matter to live a life with Jesus Christ as the Lord of our life. Let's look at Matthew chapter 7, verse 21. Jesus, this is Jesus speaking. He says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. We have to have a relationship with him. We have to hear him. We have to follow him and obey him just as he had a relationship with his father, just as he followed his father, just as he obeyed his father. Again, he's not asking us to do anything that he didn't do himself. And Jesus tells us here in Matthew chapter 7, it's not a matter of us doing the things that we want to do for him and then giving him lip service. He isn't looking for that. He's looking for us to be in a real relationship with Him, to acknowledge His Lordship in our life and to follow Him. Follow His leading. Follow His direction. Be obedient to His will. And actually live like He's Lord. In John fourteen twenty three, again, Jesus is speaking and he answered and said to them, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we'll, we will come to him and make our home with him. If Jesus Christ is the Lord of our life, we will keep his word. Other versions read that we will follow his commands. If we love him, we will be close enough to him to hear what he is saying and love him enough to submit to His Lordship and do what He's calling us to do. Next week and the weeks following, we're going to look at some of the things, some of the commands that He calls us to do. But we're also going to look at how He empowers us to do that. Through Christ Jesus in us, through the power of the Holy Spirit. But before we close this morning, we're going to go back to Philippians chapter 2 and we're going to look at verse 12 and this immediately follows verse 11 which told us that every knee was going to bow every tongue was going to confess to the glory of god the father and verse 12 starts out with the word therefore and that's like saying because of all this because of all what because of the lordship of jesus christ This is the change that will occur in our life if we acknowledge the Lordship of Jesus Christ. This is the so what of this entire message. If we truly grasp and truly know that we can only serve one Lord and Master, if we know that we know that Jesus Christ is Lord over all, and that we are called to serve a Lord and Master who loves us, 
who is good, who is humble, and who gave us an example of the life of a servant. If we get all of that, then therefore, in Philippians chapter 2, verse 12, therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Do all things without grumbling or disputing that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation. You think we're in the midst of a twisted and crooked generation today? Among whom you shine as lights in the world. Work out your own salvation does not mean work for your own salvation. This letter was written to believers. They had already put their trust in Jesus Christ. The verb for work out here carries the meaning of work to full completion. It could be applied to working out a problem in mathematics. Uh, my daughter, oldest daughter, she's a ninth grader right now in geometry. Both my wife and I have tried to help her work out to full completion these problems. We have failed miserably. <laughs> I don't think it's possible. Um, literally all three of us, my daughter did it, my wife looked over it, I looked over it. We all came up with the same answer. The wrong answer. <laughs> but we all looked at it and was like, it makes sense to me. You know, We didn't work it out to its full completion. We completed it, but we completed it wrong. And what This scripture is saying that God himself will help us to work and do according everything, according to his good pleasure. He's going to help us work it out and actually get the right answer. It can also be applied uh, to working a mine, like a gold mine or a silver, silver mine, to get all the ore that's in it out, to extract all the treasure God's saying, work it out till you get all the benefit of the mine. And another one is to work a field, that you work out on a field to get the greatest harvest possible. There will always be problems in this life, but God will help us to work them out. For it is God who works in us both to have the will and to follow through with the work all for his good pleasure. Our lives have tremendous potential, like a mine or a field, and He wants to help us get everything possible out of it. Also, we may be blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish, in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation, among whom we can shine as lights in the world. Because if He is Lord of our life, there will be a difference. Our life shouldn't look the same as everybody else's. If He is our Lord, it makes a difference. We have to choose. Whether it's this morning or tomorrow or on another day before our last day, we have to choose. We either will acknowledge the Lordship of Jesus Christ willingly or we won't. And not choosing is a choice. There's no option to abstain. 
the Apostle Peter had to make this choice. God gave Peter a vision in Acts verse 10. He showed Peter a sheet falling out of heaven and, and it was full of all these unclean animals and God told him, kill and eat. And Peter's response was, no, Lord. He had never eaten anything unclean. He had never not followed the law of God. And here God Himself, His Lord, is telling Him to do something. Just like He told Jesus to heal a person on the Sabbath. And Jesus immediately complied in obedience. But here we find Peter saying, No, Lord. Do you see a contradiction there? Do you remember the definition of Lord? Master. He to whom a person or thing belongs, about which he has power of deciding, possessor and disposer of things, the owner, one who has control of the person. If that's true, can you tell him no? So Peter was saying, no, Lord. The problem is we can't say both of those things. You have to choose. And Peter ended up making the right choice, but he had to decide. Was he going to cross out Lord and keep his will, which would just have meant serving the enemy? Or was he going to cross out no? No, Lord. Which one are you going to cross out this morning? We have to choose. There's nothing, there's not another option. My prayer this morning for me is that there's not one single area in my life that I'm holding back from God. That He could ask anything and my answer would be yes. That everything, whether it's finances, whether it's my will, whether it's my children, whether it's my marriage, whether it's uh, anything that he would lead or guide me into, that I'm saying, it's all yours, Lord. You are the possessor and disposer of everything in my life. There's nothing that I'm holding back because you're Lord. It's all yours. And through Jesus Christ in me and the power of the Holy Spirit in me, it's possible to follow his will, to submit to every uh, request that he would make of us. And as we were worshiping, he brought up this scripture. I just want to close with this this morning that we might all answer like Isaiah did. This is in Isaiah chapter 6, verse 8. And this is Isaiah speaking. He said, And I heard the voice of the Lord. And the Lord said, Whom shall I send? Who will go for us? Then Isaiah said, Here am I, Lord. Send me. He was his Lord. And he was willing to do or go or say whatever the Lord said. And God said, Go. Will we listen? Will we make Him the Lord? No. Will we acknowledge His Lordship in our life? He is Lord. It doesn't matter whether we acknowledge it or not. That doesn't change anything. It only changes it for us. Will we acknowledge His Lordship in our life this morning? Will you bow with me as we pray?
Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you and thank you and thank you that we can't take you out whether we want to or not because you are Lord. You have always been, you are now, and you will always be. And we give you all glory and all honor and all praise for who you are. Father, I thank you that you sent your son Jesus Christ to give us the perfect example that he showed us the exact life to give, to live. And that he was willing to be obedient to you even to death because you loved us so much. It was for love that you sent him and it was for love that he died for us. Father, I pray that out of love this morning for you, we would acknowledge your lordship. Father, I pray that you would open our ears, open our eyes, open our hearts to hear the truth that the Holy Spirit is declaring that you are Lord. And that we would acknowledge that. That we would hear your voice, that we would know you, and that we would respond. That when you say, who can I send? We would say, send me, Lord. And when you say, go, we go. And that nothing, nothing would be held back because you are Lord of all. That's our prayer this morning. In your name we pray. Thank you for listening to this week's message. For more information or to listen to past sermons, 